0: Good morning. Morning. You guys doing well? Good to have you with us. Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church. We also want to welcome those of you that are on YouTube live right now watching us. Good to have you with us. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're looking at that whole chapter. It's called the love chapter. And we're wrapping up this teaching series, Wholeness in a Broken World. We're going to talk about love this morning. You can also grab your sermon notes out, follow along. As we've started each one of these uh, teachings for the last four weeks, this is our fourth week, we live in a very broken world filled with sin and suffering. None of us are exempt. And the bottom line is, how are you going to respond? The choice is yours. You can take the high road or the low road. And the high road, as you can see there on your notes, out of brokenness is truth, forgiveness, and love. The low road is based on lies, unforgiveness, and bitterness. So the bottom line is, no matter how hard of a beating you take, how difficult it may become, whatever hardship or suffering you may experience, is it making you a bitter person? Or are you becoming a better person, a more loving person? That's God's intent for your life as you go through the difficulties of life. And so you're either going to be on the high road or the low road. If you're like many of us, you go back and forth between those two roads as you struggle through this. But if, you, if you're responding to the difficulties of life out of love, what you're telling the world is that God is more than enough. But if you're responding to the difficulties of life with bitterness, you're telling the world that God is not enough. And so how do we experience this love regardless of our circumstances? Well, it, it, it doesn't come as a result of us gritting our teeth and trying harder. We're going to talk about love. We're going to look at the love chapter. And you may walk out of here thinking, man, I, I need to do better with that. And, and we should all probably be, be somewhat convicted as we read through this and go, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of room to grow. But you're not going to grow by trying harder, by gritting your tree, teeth and just giving it all you've got. Believe it or not, actually, your love for God and others increases in direct proportion to the experiencing of His love for you. Don't focus on your love. Focus on His love. That's on your sermon notes, by the way. Our love for God and others will increase in direct proportion to our experience of God's love for us. So if I'm not being very loving Don't focus on trying harder, focus on being with him and experiencing his love, basking in the reality of his love, because this is what you'll discover is that no pleasure on earth compares to knowing and experiencing God's boundless and captivating love through Christ. (laughs) There's no pleasure, now think about this, think of all the different pleasures you've had in this life, there's no pleasure in life that compares to his love, in fact, Psalm 63.3 makes that very clear. It says this, His steadfast love is better than life. Better than anything you've experienced in life. Therefore, my lips will praise you. So people that are living in the reality of His love for them will have lips of praise, celebration, enjoyment. And in fact, when it says, His steadfast love is better than life, It's really showing us that we don't serve him, we don't obey him, we don't follow him because he makes life better. We serve him, we obey him, we follow him because his steadfast love is better than life. His steadfast love is better than life. So there is no parent love or child love or friendship love or romance love or puppy love. That's pet love. I'm not sure our pets even know what love is, okay, that compares or even competes with his love for us. Now, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, it's a wonderful prayer by Paul to the church in Ephesus. It's a great prayer to pray. In that prayer, he talks about how uh, he's praying for them and praying for us also that we we could pray this prayer that we should be rooted and established in his love so that we would know the depth, the height, the length, and the width of God's love. And and so what I've done in this study, 1 Corinthians 13, I've divided it up into those four sections. So you'll see on your notes, true love is deep, never stuck up. It's high, wanting to grow up. It is long, never gives up, and it's wide, always looks up. It always looks up. So let's take that first one, true love is deep, never stuck up. What I mean by that, it's not shallow, superficial, or self-centered. And see if you can understand that in the first three verses. Let me reread that. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Let me give you some thoughts on that. It's part of your fill in the blanks there on your notes. Don't confuse gifts with fruit. Our tendency in our society is we look at the external as opposed to the internal. God's more focused on the internal of our lives than the external of our lives. And so don't confuse charisma with character. And you can see the verses that I gave you for cross references. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 talk about charisma, talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And so, as he says here in verses 1 through 3, I mean, did you catch that, what he was saying? In essence, you can be very, a very gifted speaker, have great insight into God's word, have faith to move mountains, give away all that you have. And even be burned at the stake and do it for all the wrong reasons and not have love. Not have character. Not have that as an overflowing part of who you are. Gifts are given, fruit is grown, character is grown, charisma is given. It's just, it's part of what God gives to us so that we can minister to others. But so don't be so easily impressed. I mean, I, I, it just blows me away in our culture today that we're so easily impressed. Someone has a lot of giftings and a lot of charisma, and, and they're very shallow in, in their character. We should be more concerned about what's inside them, their character, than uh, their charisma. And And so, don't be so easily impressed. In fact, here's the difference between Outside uh, motivation versus inside motivation, it's your next fill in the blanks. Fear and pride restrain the will. So that would be extrinsic motivation, fear and pride. You know, I'm afraid of God, what will God do? Fear, what will people think? Pride, hey, look at me, look what a great person I am. I'm not like all of those other people. So that can certainly restrain the will, and you can do some pretty wonderful things as a result of that motivation. But the motivation of a Christian is a heart that's smitten by the beauty and the glory of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So fear and pride restrain the will, but only love transforms the heart. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. For the love of Christ controls us, compels us, captivates us. He, he only uses the word controls. I added the other two words there, but that's what he's saying. He's saying, oh, my goodness. My heart is smitten by the beauty and the glory of who Jesus is and what he's done. Because we all have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Let me say that again. Because we have concluded this, that all have died, therefore... That one has died for all, therefore all have died... And he died for all. Who did he die for? All. He died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves. Okay, this is what, this is what eliminates the, the extrinsic motivation, the fear and pride motivation. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You hear, that's the motivation of a believer in Christ. And so let's define uh, counterfeit love and true love. It's on your notes. Counterfeit love is selfish uh, affection helping others only because it profits you. So counterfeit love is selfish affection helping others only because it profits you. So true love is the overflow of love from God that gladly meets the needs of others. So true love is the overflow of love from God that gladly meets the needs of others. Okay, it's one thing to know that God loves you. I think everybody here, if I were to say, hey, do you you think God loves you? Oh, absolutely, everybody knows that God loves them, no doubt about it. But it's altogether another thing to experience his love in your heart. Do you know the difference? You can tell me that God loves me all day long, but until I experience His love in my heart, it, it's not going to transform me. This is what I love about the gospel. The gospel is left brain, right brain. You guys familiar with your left brain, right brain? Left brain is analytical. Right brain is more relational. So the bio, so the gospel is both rational and it's relational. You might have the rational side down, where oh yeah, I know God loves me. It's a fact. It's historical, it's evidential, all that he's done for me, but not until it slides over to that right side where it's relational, where you have an experience of his love. That's when it changes everything, believe me. So let me ask you this, when was the last time that you, you experienced his love, you were overwhelmed? Maybe it brought tears to your eyes. The, the reality of who Christ is and what he's done for you just went from your head into your heart. You were overwhelmed. I can't help but think that maybe some of you, many of you, during this time of worship, those were wonderful songs. Those are beautiful songs. And if you were less conscientious about what people were thinking of you and more conscientious of who God is and he's here to meet with us, I'll guarantee you, you had an experience on your heart of his love. There's nothing like that. I long for that daily, to have that experience and it's out of that overflow that I'm able to love others. So selfish aff- affection is, is about getting. True love is about giving with no strings attached. So so selfish affection certainly gives, but you give to get. To where true love just gives with no strings attached. I just want it's just an overflow. I've, I've received so much from God, I just want to give to others. I want them to have the same experience that I have in Him. And so we are not saved by the love we give, but by the love we get from God. That's what saves us. And so because we have been generously loved by God, we will naturally love generously. If you're not loving generously, once again, you get back to to basking in the reality of His love for you. Now, we just kicked off another game of life here this last week, full house, packed house, a lot of... Close to about, I think about 40 people are taking the class now. It's a great, great class. We take about uh, anywhere from 50 to 100 people a year through this class, and it helps people go through the five G's of, of full devotion to Christ. What does it mean to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? And we believe here, it does it mean that full devotion to Christ and fullness of life are one and the same pursuit. You want to experience life to its fullest, it comes as a result of being fully devoted to Christ, 5G process, genuine Christian, someone who walks with God. You have a, really, a real relationship with God, a genuine relationship with God, not a set faith, a real faith. So a genuine Christian will become a growing Christian. A growing Christian is someone who's living God's word, they're committed to the disciplines necessary for spiritual growth, Bible study, prayer, hanging out with other Christians, So if you're a genuine Christian walking with God, a growing Christian living his word, it's just a natural overflow of that, you will become a giving Christian. You wanna contribute to his work and then you'll be a going Christian, you wanna make an impact in this world. So you wanna be a giving Christian because you're gonna wanna use your time, talent, and treasures to make an impact through the local church family, which by the way, many of you are doing that. We've had more people in the last three months step up and get involved in ministry than we've we've seen in a long time. There's a lot of great things happening here at Desert Breeze currently. It's just amazing to see that happen. In spite of what we've been through in the, this last year, it's 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 uh, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's it's like a almost like a revival happening within our church family. And it's because people that are experiencing that don't just know about God's love, they're experiencing God's love and therefore They're wanting to contribute to his work and make an impact in this world. I I stuck my head in on the meeting yesterday uh, for our uh, ministry leaders or ministry volunteers for our children's department, children's area. It was a full house. It was packed out. There was no room in there. I was just, I was blown away at how many of you are stepping up and helping out and and getting involved. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. And so... Hopefully, it's not out of fear or pride that you're being motivated, but you're motivated out of a heart that's just captivated by the love of Jesus. And so that's that's what he's talking about here. So how can I know the difference between charisma and character? How do I know that I have a deep love? Well, verses 4 through 13 are going to help us with that. My love will be high, long, and wide. So true love is deep, never stuck up. It's high, wanting to grow up, it's mature. Let's take that next one, let me read the verses here. So, verses four through six, he says, love is patient and kind. By the way, I have a different translation here. I memorized this years ago in the NIV, and uh, so I've jumped to ESV, but I haven't memorized it in that. In fact, I even have verses that i memorized in King James Version still, I still go over. Anybody like that here? Anybody even know what a King James Version is? Okay. Okay, that's a, that's an old uh, old old Bible. Okay, there, it's really hard to follow uh, because it has a lot of these and those and stuff. But that, I memorized a lot of verses growing up as a young young boy in the King James version. But this is NIV. So love is patient and kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. <clears throat> So, so, how do I know that I really have a, a deep love? It's not superficial. Well, my life will be manifested with these characteristics. That I'm just not, uh, I don't have a lot of giftedness. You know, I'm not just showing a lot of charisma in some way or another, but it's really showing the depth of my life through these characteristics. And so, instead of going over each one of these individually, I I thought that I would kind of look at them as a whole, and what is he talking about here as far as a mature love? Here's your next fill-in-the-blank. So, immaturity is self-seeking. That's verse 5. It is not self-seeking. I think that's kind of the the root of it. Immaturity is self-seeking, self-centered, glory-hungry. Uh, Philippians 2.3, Galatians 5.26 uses the word conceit. The King James Version uses the word for conceit, vainglory. So, vainglory means empty of glory. So, it's saying conceit, or we could use the word pride in there, too. Pride or conceit, or, or this self-seeking, is empty of glory, So the reason why we we are self-centered is because we're empty of glory. You see, you were meant to walk in the garden in the cool of the day and to look into the face of your maker and to receive all the glory that you would ever need, all the meaning and hope and happiness for your life. Genesis 3. Genesis 1 and 2 and then Genesis 3. But in our thinking that we were smarter than God, doubting that he had our best interest at heart, beginning to question that, thinking that he's holding out on us in some way, we turned away from God. And that spiritual alienation from God immediately created a psychological alienation within us, an emptiness, a glory hunger. And then that was translated into a social alienation, created problems in our lives socially. So that's at the root of our not being loving, really, as as he's talking about here. Immaturity is self-seeking, self-centered, glory-hungry. And in fact, what does that self-seeking look like? That we are self-seeking because we delight in evil rather than rejoice in the truth. That's verse 6 of that text we just read. So real love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. But what does it mean to delight in evil rather than rejoice in the truth? Jeremiah 2.13 gives us really the answer to that. God is speaking to his people through the prophet Jeremiah. And he says, my people have done two evils. First one, they have turned away from me the fountain of living water. That's the first evil. The second evil is that they have dug cisterns, broken cisterns, wells that have no water. What is he saying? He's he's actually defining sin for us. Sin is the suicidal exchange of the fountain of living water, Christ, for broken cisterns. In essence, it's loving anything more than we love God. It's finding anything on this planet more desirable, more satisfying than God. And he's saying, that's evil, because what that does is, in essence, it's turning away from the fountain of living water, and then we walk away empty inside, desperate to fill the emptiness, and therefore causing us to uh, not be very loving, because we're, we're in a deficit mode rather than an abundance mode. <clears throat> so this self-seeking is heard in our society by thoughts like this. You hear it in the movies, you hear it in the songs. Follow your heart. Be true to yourself. You do you. You guys tired of that commercial? What is that for a casino? Casino Arizona or something like that? That is a pathetic logo because it's promoting self-centeredness. It's promoting self-centeredness, and uh, it's just, it's ridiculous, but that's the culture, that's the culture we live in. It's all about you. It's desire over duty and responsibility. Live for you. And so this self-seeking, it's on your notes there, so self-seeking is the cause, so this self-seeking causes impatience, unkindness, envy, boasting, pride, rudeness, We become easily angered, keeping records of wrong. That's unforgiveness. So so that's the manifestation of this. I mean, it it makes sense, doesn't it? If I was meant to look into the eyes of my maker and receive all the glory I would need, and I refuse that, I'm empty on the inside, and therefore I'm desperate to fill this up. And you get in the way of me being satisfied, I'm going to be impatient. I'm going to be unkind. I'm going to envy. I'm going to boast. I'm going to be proud, rude, easily angered. I'm going to keep records of wrong. James 4.1, James is asking the question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, look out on the landscape of America today. Are there a lot of fights and quarrels going on? Oh, my goodness. He's going to answer that question for us. What causes the fights and quarrels among you? Isn't it the passions the desires, the selfish affection that wars within you? You have not because you ask not. You're not coming to God and getting it. You're trying to get it in creation as opposed to the creator. That's what he's saying. If you don't warm yourself at the fire of God's love regularly, you will steal love from other sources. Your family, your marriage, your children, your friendships, your job, that's selfish affection. You're going to give to get. If you love anything more than you love God, you will crush it under the weight of your unrealistic expectations. That's why people enter into marriage relationships and have kids and go into jobs and career pursuits, only to find themselves in a little ways a little ways into those uh, pursuits dissatisfied because they're trying to get from that what they should be getting from God it's called disordered loves it's called self-seeking it's glory hunger trying to get from created things what we should be getting from the creator a quote that i've used for years and I've kind of changed it a little bit, but it's, it's, it's been always helpful in talking about this, is that if I try to find intimacy with another person before achieving a sense of identity on my own in Christ, then all of my relationships will be an effort to complete myself. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. It's, it's really particularly, it's important for all of us, but especially our youth. Our youth need, need to hear this. If you're wanting to get married, you need to hear this. If you are married, you need to hear this. If you're not married and don't ever want to get married, okay, you need to hear this. Because it's just about relationships. If I try to find intimacy with another person before achieving a sense of identity on my own in Christ, then all of my relationships become an effort to complete myself. The answer is not loving others less. It's loving Christ more. That's the key. So I nearly wrecked my marriage because of this. I tried to get from my wife what I should have been getting from Christ. And I began to put demands on her. And so I was operating more out of a selfish affection. I'll do this for you if you do this for me. But the more I realized that, I began to really recenter myself in Christ and find out there's a love. Yeah, I love my my wife, and I love the love she gives me, but it doesn't even come close. Believe me, it doesn't come close. And this isn't demeaning to her whatsoever, but it doesn't come close to his love for me. And, and so, the answer is not loving others less, but loving God more. So true love is deep, never stuck up, high, wanting to grow up, long, never gives up. I mean, it, he just keeps increasing the intensity of this love, the fire of this love. Look at verses seven through eight. Love always protects Always trust, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So let's take each of these uh, and, and kind of talk about them. The first two, true love covers a multitude of sins and gives the benefit of the doubt. So love always protects. So it covers a multitude of sins as what. Well. love always protects covers a multitude of sins it forgives and doesn't keep bringing up the offense to themselves the offender in in others so true love forgives the most but condones the least and if you want to know more about forgiveness you're going to need to go back on last weekend's message because I, I spent close to probably an hour talking about what forgiveness is and isn't and so you need to go back on that. And uh, then love always trusts. It means it gives the benefit of the doubt. It means to think, to be true, to place confidence in, to never give up on that person. I'll never forget a story I heard a number of years ago. This guy had uh, was going from uh, work to home on a bus ride. It was very quiet, very calming bus ride. He was enjoying it until they stopped and. And they picked up a father and his three kids on the bus. They boarded the bus. And from that point on, the bus ride went from calm to chaos with these kids. And as that guy sat there, the longer he sat, the more angry he became about this guy and his kids. Finally, as that, that anger boiled within him, he said, Hey, why don't you do something about those kids? This place was calm until they, you guys showed up. And the guy kind of turned very calmly to him and said, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't unaware. I was totally unaware of that. I wasn't aware of that. We just left the hospital where my wife and their mom just passed away. And I guess they don't really know how to respond. How do you think the guy, what was his kind of response to that after that? It went from anger to, ah. Uh, I had no idea. Yeah. I'm so sorry. What can I do? How can I help you? It gives the benefit of the doubt. My wife gave me this quote last week, and I think it really represents this well. Here's, here's a reaction to someone's behavior, or bad behavior reaction. What in the world is wrong with you? That would be a reaction. Here's, here's a response. Help me understand what's going on. The second one sounds better, doesn't it? Seek to understand rather than to be understood. That's that's really true love covers a multitude of sins and gives the benefit of the doubt. Here's the next one. True love delights in the person and not in what you get from the person. So love always hopes. That's where I'm getting that idea from. Everyone puts their hope in something. Hope is delighting in someone or something in and of itself and not for what it brings you. And, And so... Let me give you an illustration here. So if a a wife asks her husband, honey, why do you love me? Be careful, guys. That's a loaded question. It's a trap. It's a trap. Be careful. So if the man is honest and stupid, he may say, because your hot looks satisfy my sexual needs, and your hard work contributes to our family needs. And if the wife is kind and discerning, she may say in response, wow, honey, it sounds like I'm a means to an end. You're objectifying me. You're using me. And if the husband has a clue, he may want to rethink his answer. Here's the idea, is that if you love someone because of what they bring you, then that love is conditional, and that love will fail. When they stop bringing you those things that that the hope of your heart is really resting in, then you will drop them. True love does not love to get from someone, but to be with them. One of the reasons why adulterous relationships happen is because of, it's, its really selfish affection. And, and they happen oftentimes very innocently. It's just a uh, just relationship, just casual, and it moves into kind of sharing your heart with one another, kind of goes into this emotional kind of bonding that happens, and then before long that emotional bonding goes into a physical kind of a relationship. And I've asked both men and women, you know, and we'll just focus more on the men, you know, what, help me understand. Help me understand what was going on here. And they would often describe it, it was very innocent in how it started and then it moved into this this adulterous relationship. And, And most of the time they would say something like this. She makes me feel like a man unlike my wife ever did. I've never felt more alive than when I'm with her. That's selfish affection. That's about you. This isn't about her. That's about not giving. It's about taking. And add to that betrayal of your spouse and deception, that isn't a very good foundation for a relationship. I don't care what you're feeling. It's going to fade really, really quickly, and you're going to crash and burn. What are you thinking? That's selfish affection. That's not true love. True love would have stayed with your wife regardless of what you're feeling. You would have worked through it. You would have established something and gotten the help that you need. Jesus loves you, not for what you bring him, but he loves you for you. (laughs) He loves you because he loves you individually, personally. You can have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can interact with him personally and know his love. There's nothing quite like it. See, a religious person seeks God to get from him, but a Christian seeks God to be with him. You love God in and of himself. So, what does that look like in in your life? Well, this is what it looks like in your prayer life is that you begin to bring your love to him more than your list. You spend more time in adoration than you do in supplication. Man, you just love spending time with God. You love him. You enjoy Him. You have a personal relationship with Him. And that's a person that's going to experience that love that ravishes their heart that comes from God. The deepest and most enduring happiness is not from God, but in God. See, if, if you hear someone say this, and I... Many times when people defect from the faith, it's because God didn't come through for them. Or I went through this, and where was God in all of that? Well, it's because you were using God. That's why you defected from the faith. And any time that someone says, I will serve God, I will obey God, I will follow God, if he does these things, whatever's at the end of the if is actually what you're really serving. God is just a means to an end. And you're missing out on the best thing about the Christian life, and that's God. Here's the next, uh, it's on your notes there. True love is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, and always forever love. That's Sally Lloyd-Jones from the Jesus Storybook Bible, defining covenant love. So verse 7, love always perseveres. Verse 8, love never fails. True love always has the other person's best interest in mind. So what would be, if, if Nancy has my best interest at heart, if I have her best interest at heart, what would... What would I really want for her more than anything? I would want for her to know and experience this amazing love of God. And I would do everything I could to help her to do that because when she knows and experiences his love, she's going to love me really well. What would be the best thing that Nancy can do for me? Stay off my back and let me do whatever I want to do. Okay, that's not, I'm just kidding. No, that, that she would help me to know, know God's love. In fact, that's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians one twenty four. He's talking as a pastor. He says, hey, and this is my heart for us and you, part of Desert Breeze. I'm not here to lord it over you. I mean, I, I want to increase your joy in him and to experience his love and to be well-founded in the faith. That's my heart. So true love always has the other person's best interest in mind. It's how God loves us. So I want you to do something real quick. Uh, Discuss this with the people you're sitting around. What's the difference between a consumer love and a covenant love? You need to know the difference because our world thinks thinks covenant love is consumer love and it's it's all messed up. So what's the difference between a consumer love and a covenant love? Real quick, do that. Okay, you guys getting that? What are, you, what are you thinking? What's a consumer love? Is it okay to have a consumer love with, uh, like, fries over here? Yeah? Certainly not a covenant love. So, so with fries over here, if the value drops and the prices increase, you're going to go to another, you know, another store. You're going to find a better deal. But that doesn't work so good in churches or in... Uh, in marriages, in homes, in families. So, if the cost increases and the, the and the values drop, you're going to go look for a better a better church, a better group of people to hang out with, a better whatever. That's not that's consumer love. Not to say that there aren't appropriate times to to leave a church and to when God moves you on and He's leading you and and but but that kind of love doesn't last. So consumer love versus covenant love, consumer love is really, my needs are more important than the relationship. Covenant love is the relationship is more important than my needs. And if you're gonna cut and run every time it gets, a, it gets into some conflict, you get into a little trouble, man, you're not gonna have the opportunity to increase in not only your intimacy with God and others, but also in your maturity, God is gonna use that because you, you have a consumer love. You're looking for a better deal. Something easier. The value's dropped now for me, and I'm not getting as much out of this, and the price is through the roof. It's too hard. That's not true love. That's consumer as opposed to a covenant relationship. So true love is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. So true love is deep, never stuck up, high, wanting to grow up, long, never gives up, and it's wide always looking up. It has an eternal perspective. It has that wide-angle lens, seeing the bigger picture. Verses 9 through 13, he's talking about heaven. Let uh, Let me read it here. For we know that in part, we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, he's talking about heaven there, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. He's talking about growing up in our love. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Here's your next fill in the blank under this. Heaven is a world of love. That's what he's talking about here. Verse 10, but when the perfect comes, verse 12, face to face with God. Do you ever daydream about that? Yes. Do you ever imagine that? Fantasize about when you take your last breath on earth as a believer in Christ to be absent in the bodies, to be present with the Lord? that you take your first breath in heaven and you come face to face with the one who would rather die than to live all eternity without you. I mean, if he gave, gave his life for you, oh my goodness, that first embrace of our Savior with those nail-scarred hands will be out of this world. Yeah. <laughs> out of this world. The greatest of these is love. What he's saying, faith has to do with past. Hope has to do with the future. Love has to do with the present. We won't need faith and hope in heaven, but we will have love. This life is the dress rehearsal for the next. I've heard people say to me that uh, when they think about heaven, it really sounds like a real boring place. And, 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 and they'll admit that it's, it's certainly better than the alternative. But they'll say, heaven sounds boring, and so my response to that would be, when was the time in your life that you were the most happy? And it was usually the time in your life when, when you were the most loved. You see, loving relationships are what life is all about. When you are with someone you love, what happens? Time flies. Why? Because that is what you were created for. You ever noticed that? You're just going to meet with someone for an hour, and it goes into two hours, and then three hours, and then four hours, and you apologize because we were there too long. And woo! why'd that happen? Because of love. Because of love. You have that love connection. There is no such thing as boredom in love. The greatest love you've ever had on earth compared to the love you will have in heaven is like comparing an oil rag to a wedding dress. That's why I love this, uh, this quote. The first moment in the arms of Christ will make a thousand years of misery on earth look like one night in a bad hotel. 2 Corinthians 4.17, that's why it says, our light and momentary affliction is achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, beyond comparison. Here's the next point in your notes. God knows me to the bottom and loves me to the sky. He knows me to the bottom, to the depth, and he loves me to the sky. For, for now we see in a mirror dimly. You know what kind of mirrors they had in those days? Not our kind of mirrors, okay? They had polished brass. I would like to go back to those mirrors. But then he says, but then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You know how fully known you are? The Bible says that God knows the number of hairs on your head. Don't look at me like that. You you were thinking, oh, it's easy count for you, Pastor Ray. That was so rude of you to even think that. But he knows every detail of our lives. Psalm 103, 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. How high are the heavens above the earth? Anybody calculate that recently? It looks like it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. Now listen to me. If you truly knew that you were fully known and fully loved by God, Not just a concept, a reality in your heart. You would never be bored, never ever have self-pity, never be bitter, never be resentful, never be anxious or be afraid. Why is that? Because his perfect love chases away the fears. We very seldom live there, though. That's where I want to live. I want to live right in the middle of his love. Love. That's 1 John four eighteen. His perfect love chases away the fears. Nothing will, will make you emotionally strong in the face of criticism, suffering, and death like being rooted and established in his love. So here's what we've got to do. Last point on your notes. Love shatters us, captures us, and then empowers us. So the first thing it's got to do, it's got to, it's got to shatter us. When you go through this list, you ought to be shattered by this list. It's like, oh, man, I don't even come close to that. Woo! I need a lot of work. I'm right there with you. I'm in the front of the line. So it should shatter you. But then it should captivate you because this is a a list that really reveals the way that God loves us. And, And so when you begin to experience his love, it captivates you, and then it empowers you. What makes a Christian a Christian is that you have met love. You have to meet love before you can do love. Before love is, is a behavior in a Christian, it is an experience of the Christian. And let me, let me end by quoting from one of my favorite Bibles, the Jesus Storybook Bible for Kids. I love this because uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones does a great job in, in giving us the big picture of the Bible. We tend to miss the forest for, this, for the trees The big idea of the Bible, and the the big idea of the Bible, it is is a love story. It's it's about love lost and then love found. That's what the whole book is about. It's a love story. Listen to what she says. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It is an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to, to win back his lost treasure. That's us. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. That's us. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. So our love for God and others will increase in direct proportion to our experience of his love for for us. No pleasure on earth compares to knowing and experiencing God's boundless and captivating love through Christ Jesus. So we conclude this series this weekend and we head back into gospel according to John. (laughs) Remember we were studying that a few months back. So we're going back into that study, that study is called Believe, and we'll be talking about, uh, we'll start in John chapter 2, verses 12 through 25, you can read that ahead. Jesus cleans house, you're probably familiar with that story, so we'll be talking about that next weekend. If you're new here, my wife and I will be up front, along with other elders uh, that are available here this morning, and if you're new here, we would love to meet you. If you need prayer for any particular reason, we would love to pray with you. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. So, Father God, as we conclude this this series, keep us on that high road of truth and forgiveness and love so that we can have wholeness in a broken world. We pray, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, that out of your glorious riches that you would strengthen us with power through your Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and and that we would be rooted and established in his love, having the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We pray these things in Jesus' beautiful name. And everyone said, amen. Love you guys.